The dictionary defines the homemaker as one who manages a household, especially a wife and mother. I believe this career is important enough to demand a woman's diligent preparation, foremost commitment, full energies, and greatest creativity. Today, my guest, Beth Barris, will be talking about the high calling of a wife and mother. Beverly Child Barris lives in Orange County, California with her husband, Jason, who serves as a pastor. They have three children, Samantha, Jack, and Jude. They previously lived in the Middle East. Bev's writing has been featured at Risen Motherhood, the Gospel Coalition, Gospel-Centered Discipleship, Nine Marks, and ERLC. Bev is passionate about helping women grow in their love for the Triune God, His Word, and His people. Welcome to the Gems of Motherhood, Bev. It's so good to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Beth, I know you're in Pacific time and it's like super early. So I just really want to thank you for coming on the show at 7 a.m. in the morning. (laughs) It's my joy. And I apologize if uh, nothing I say makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Now, as wives and mothers, we are always in the business of shaping and preparing the next generation. And what an honor that is, you know, because we're trying to shape them to be mighty in the word to be mighty in the spirit. And before we really dive into the subject matter of the high calling of a wife and a mom, I'd love for you to just share a little bit about your story. I would love to. Um, so a little bit about me, I there's a couple of things that I usually tell people when they're getting to know me. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I was raised by Chinese parents um, here in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not growing up in a Chinese home, what my parents practiced growing up was actually idol worship. So I think that's something that's more uncommon. Uh, you don't hear a lot about that here in the States, though it, it goes on. There's a lot of people from all over the world. And for my parents, they worshiped, um, they were Buddhist, but they also mm. did ancestor worship. Um, so I grew up with that being very normal to to bow to ancestors and mm-hmm. idols made of wood and stone. So when my parents uh, decided to bring us to church, I was uh, in my preteen years. It was it was quite a shock to our family. And when my dad brought us to church, he was just so opposed to Christianity. We were very surprised. And then when he became a Christian, we were really surprised as children. So, but one of the clearest and most compelling signs for me about who Jesus is and what he can do in a human's life was clear when my dad gathered up all the idols around the house and brought them into the backyard and just started destroying them. And, you know, me and my siblings, we were watching this and we're just so shocked because we knew how much respect or how much he submitted to these false gods. And when he did that, it was a very clear sign to us of a spiritual reality that's true for every believer, which is repentance brings life. So the the life of the believer begins with repentance and putting their faith in Christ for salvation. So that was very clear to me Mm. what it costs to follow Jesus from my dad's example. And about a year later, I was saved. um, And the Lord has just been so kind to grow me all these years. Uh, I went to school here in California, and then eventually my 20s moved to D.C., Mm-hmm. That's where I met my husband at a church in Washington, D.C. And we eventually moved to Dubai in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. 
And that is where my pastor, my husband, sorry, my husband served as a pastor <laughs> for several years. And then more recently in the last couple of years, we've moved back to the U.S. So I'm a mother of three children. That transition to the Middle East was, I think, after salvation was probably the biggest biggest challenge, the next set of years that were most challenging to me, because we made an international move. I transitioned to being a pastor's wife. And then more importantly, I went from being a mother of one to a mother of three. So yeah, I could just see God's kindness to me all these years. And now we're back in the US. So sorry, that was a long story, but what about me? <laughs> no, that's, I love that. You know, I love, I love that you shared how God just radically transformed you. That, that's just amazing because mm-hmm. that just proves that God is able to do so many incredible things, you know, and nothing is too hard for him. It's very encouraging because I still have family who actually are Buddhist and worship idols as well. Mm-hmm. And I just keep praying for their salvation. And, and so I'm the only one who is a believer in my family, my immediate family right now, which is my husband and my daughter, we're all Christians. <laughs> but my my mom, my parents, my aunt, everybody else there, because in Asian culture, it seems like it's a very normal thing. And they learn from their ancestors, they learn from, from their past mm-hmm. and have never even learned that relationship with Christ. And anyways, thank you for sharing that story. I love to ask you, you know, when we're, when we're talking about this particular topic about motherhood arise, or you know, today we're talking about high calling as a wife and a mother, I want to know what's your favorite mother in the Bible and why would you choose her? Oh. Wife and mother. I love that question. And there's so many wonderful, shining <clears throat> examples of mothers. Found in the Bible, um, if I had to choose, it would actually be a mother-grandmother pair, mm-hmm. which I know you're asking me for one, but I'm, I'm going to choose <laughs> two because they get named together in the Bible. But it's from the letter to Timothy and Paul writing to Timothy says, mentions Timothy's mom and his mm. grandmother. So Lois and Eunice. Mm. Um, and you know, Paul, when he writes to Timothy, he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. So he's talking to Timothy, but he says, it's a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois and your mother, Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. And then he goes on to say that these women were the ones who were able to raise Timothy up in the word and make him wise for salvation. So I love it. They have, there's such an example of sincere faith and faithfulness Mm. as a mom. Yeah. Because they raised up not only a son in their home, but a son in the faith. And I just, oh, I love their example. I want to walk in their footsteps. Oh, amen. Now as mothers, I feel like we're constantly being challenged, not just challenged at home, but now we're being challenged with what's happening in our culture, in our society. And it's not easy to consistently train up our children in the way that they should go. How should we handle this discomfort? It is definitely not easy. And the thing that I've learned over the last decade, and even before that, just observing observing mothers who were down the road um, ahead of me and who were wonderful examples of Christian motherhood to me, there is an inexhaustible grace, mercy, and strength that comes from God Mm -hmm. to be able to do this work. So that's the thing about motherhood. I love that you use the word discomfort. It is uncomfortable and it is work that can be agonizing sometimes. Even even the For real. (laughs) 
I mean, you, you look at the world, the world acknowledges this, the discomfort, and that's why the world doesn't treasure children mm-hmm. or tends not to treasure life and a life dedicated to self-sacrifice. But I think for Christian moms, instead of avoiding or trying to plan every aspect of our children's lives so that we or they never have to feel discomfort, I think the Lord has kindly taught so many of us that the discomfort is like a giant sign, mm-hmm. you know, like a huge freeway sign that you would see telling you like what's coming. I think the discomfort and the challenges are signs that point us to two big realities. One, that God wants us to remember to look to Jesus. Mm. And then secondly, he wants us to look like Jesus. Mm. And everything we do in our role as moms is going to point us and it should point us to Jesus. So all the nurturing, providing, caring, comforting, loving, instructing, forgiving, you know, these are all things that Jesus did for us first. And then that, you know, that's the thing about motherhood is it's uncomfortable. And I, I just always find myself reminding fellow moms about this and myself. Yeah. It's uncomfortable because growing up is uncomfortable. Right. And like we're, yes, we're called to train up our children in the way they should go, but we are children before God and he's our father. So he's training us up in the way that we should go. So motherhood is just one tool that he uses in our lives to grow us up in Christ. And instead of fighting that discomfort, I say embrace it as a sign. Right. Getting your attention. Yeah, yeah. Now, let's put it this way. How can we learn to embrace that discomfort? I mean, not everyone likes changes. Not everyone likes that discomfort. And it is very hard sometimes. Absolutely. How can we embrace that discomfort? You know, I would say you have to embrace that discomfort by remembering. So the mind, the pattern of scripture um, when it comes to humans is, I don't, maybe you heard of this, but head, heart, hands. So Mm -hmm. your heart cannot have affection for someone or something unless the mind knows first. So when you look at scripture, it's always talking about being renewed in our minds and then having that affection for God. We are zealous for good works. So it starts with the mind. And I think for us as moms, we have to choose the choice to embrace discomfort as productive. Mm. So I would liken it to labor, you know, labor pains are so horribly discomfort. <laughs> right. Um, a sign it seems like the discomfort begins at labor pain. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And what's at the end of that process? It's life. Right. So I have just seen the Lord teaching me through his word and through these past few years of a lot of discomfort, whatnot, like international moves, health issues, mm-hmm. um, just and then the basic things that come with raising cute but rebellious sinners. Um, <laughs> the discomfort there is we need to embrace it because it's productive. Yeah. Um, at the end of this, as we grow through it, there's life, just like labor pains. Right. And I think the discomfort also draws us closer, you know, to our Heavenly Father, because that's when we need help the most. Now, when we say that we have a calling as Christian wives and mothers, we have that calling, we have that high calling, right? What does that mean? 
Yeah. Oh, I mean, it is a calling. If you are a mother who is responsible for nurturing life. So not even speaking strictly about giving birth, but if you are nurturing someone and God has entrusted that person to you, then you're a mother. And it's such a high calling. Susan Hunt is one of my favorite authors and, and teachers. And um, in a lot of her teaching, she points out how Ma Eve is called the mother of all living. She's a life giver. Mm. And so that's like before the fall of man in Genesis 3. So she's a very pre-fall example of what it means to be designed and called to be um, a, a woman and also a wife and a mom. And in the same way, that call is to be a life giver. So the calling of motherhood and being a wife is to be a life giver. And even just for women who are who are yet to be mothers and wives also, we can be spiritual mothers, right? Right. So yeah, our calling um, as a giver of life should be rooted in our understanding of how Jesus gave us new life in him. And if we're just marinating and simmering in the gospel, it's going to shape our words and our actions. So that high calling is to be giving life with the things that we say and giving life with the things that we do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Giving life in the things that we say and in the things that we do. Now, there seems to be always so many changes in seasons uh, for us being wives and mothers, you know. How can we navigate those changes? Yeah, the changes we face in motherhood, and there are so many, right? Um, They give us thousands of opportunities. So we can sit there and begrudge all the changes Um, I remember when my daughter, my oldest, was just dropping her first, her naps. So she must have been about three. And even just the change of having a a child who takes naps regularly to now is by, you know, awake all the time, wants to be by your side, no more afternoon free time for me. I remember my heart was so angry and Mm. frustrated by that change and just reacting in such a angry, impatient way. I saw that I had idols. So Mm. clearly that nap time, like those two hours she was in her room had become, oh, my heart had really latched onto it in a way that was not healthy. So that became a clear example to me. There's just going to be a lot of changes that we will face in motherhood, that our children will face, that our spouses will face. But really, they are the thousands of opportunities to be able to look up to the giver of life, to God. Mm. Um, So when I'm stressed or I'm frustrated about changes, especially (laughs) changes to my plans. (laughs) Yeah. It's so it's so funny because you know as mothers we're sometimes we can get so set in our ways and oh, we have yeah. this priority task and we've got our day lined out and their schedule and when things messes up our schedule <laughs> our plans <laughs> what do we do <laughs> exactly well I think when those happen if if we're paying careful attention to it like we pay attention to symptoms you know, in our children all the time, like when they have a fever or a cough, we're, we're quick to pay attention to symptoms. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to our, our spiritual life, we're not very quick to pick mm-hmm. up on symptoms. And I think changes 
often bring out the symptoms. Mm-hmm. So I think in those moments when, yeah, my plan for the day, or even when the kids are making growth spurts, mm-hmm. or even, you know, it could be anything, the loss of a job, or even for us going through miscarriages before mm-hmm. we had children, mm-hmm. all of those, they can range from, you know, inconvenience to tragedy. Right. And oh, I see the temptation to be a life taker in those moments. You know, if we're talking about Eve and how she was a life giver um, and how we are called to be a life giver, right? In Proverbs 31, the woman there, the virtuous woman, she, it says wisdom is just dripping from her tongue. Yeah. So I really need God in those critical moments to, to help me embrace the change and to pray prayer. Oh, it's that secret weapon, just praying and, and pleading with God to give, give me the strength to give, be a life giver in those moments when there's changes. Mm, that's nice. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's okay. Cause you, cause you mentioned that nap time became your idol. Is that what you said? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because I've never heard that nap time became your idol. I might be feeling slightly convicted. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I, I completely understand because nap time is so important for the children, but yet sometimes things throws you off and <laughs> And you're just like, what is happening? Or when they're having regression, you know, and et cetera. And you're just like, just go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, the it's a funny and small example of from the beginning of my journey as a mother to now I have um, I'm you know, they're going to be out of my house in the next less than a decade. So I'm seeing them deal with anxiety. They're starting Mm. to realize what death is. They're starting Mm -hmm. to realize what loss is or broken relationships mean. So um, that beginning of working through the symptom of I'm angry, nap time is now they're awake all the time, time. And (laughs) uh, that was, it's like a funny example of if I don't work through those moments, what will that do to my motherhood? If I just always put it on the children and say, if they would just join my program, what I have, (laughs) the agenda I have, if they could just get on board, everything would be great. But I think the Lord is in the business of sanctifying us. Yeah. So yeah, you'll see the fruit of that as the years go on and your kids get older and you're able to then help them face challenges. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, you know, today's culture, we are faced with so many different variables. What are some actionable tips would you suggest to moms to prepare their children to face the battle ahead or the battle that is in front of them? Yeah, there and there are so many battles that will be ahead of them. So you just never let them out of the house. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Don't do that. Um, I'm thinking of John 17 when Jesus is praying for his, his disciples. And he says, you know, they will still be in the world and they, they shouldn't be of the world, but they're going to be in the world. And, and Jesus actually doesn't ask God to take his disciples out of the world. He says, even though the world will hate mm-hmm. them, he actually asks God to sanctify them mm-hmm. in the 
truth. And he says, God, your word is the truth. So if our calling as Christian mothers is to disciple our children according to God's word, um, then we need to teach and model this principle to them that we have been left in the world, but we are not to be of the world. Yeah. And, and that even Jesus didn't pray that they would, you know, come out of the world, but that they would be sanctified according to the truth of his yeah. word. Mm. Um, so we can show our kids how to think about these issues and how to respond. Um, obviously, you know, really dig into um, relationships with other moms in your local church because they know what you're facing in the city that you're facing. Mm-hmm. And, and if they're a little bit further down the road or even next to you in this journey of motherhood, you can pray together and reason together about how to talk to your children about these different issues. So we've lived around the world and I've been, you know, I've had fellowship with moms from so many different countries and the truth is the same. The truth from the Bible is the same and it never changes no matter what culture you're in. So for us in the U.S., I think speaking to our children about the things that They will see and they'll see it. My kids, when they've seen commercials, they've gleaned from commercials like on the on the road and even commercials they saw on TV during a baseball game. Like, oh, so a man and a man can get married and they ask me questions Mm. Um, or they've even had we I've homeschooled. I've also my kids have been in public school and they're sinners. So they don't come out of the womb with sanctified thoughts about God and about the world. So. That has been my desire is to mm-hmm. help them reason about these issues through scripture yeah. and, and to bring them back to God's word in a loving and compelling way. Mm, amen. Now we're, we're, thank you so much for sharing that. We're almost at the end of the show, but is there anything else that you would like to share with other gems of mothers out there? Yeah. So I think in, even in thinking about that last question, one of the most helpful things for me as a mom and something that I I would just love to bless other mothers with is for moms to think about the big story of the Bible. We don't often think about that. The fact that, you know, across 66 books, over 27 authors, Mm -hmm. different languages across continents, across thousands of years, that there's one big story. And we get to teach our children about that one big story and it's helpful in motherhood. So for example, if they are curious about gender issues, which they will be someday, right? we can walk them through the big story of the Bible by asking questions like, well, Hey, when you think about that, how did God create the world? What, mm-hmm. how did he create gender? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the second question you would ask is how did the fall affect gender and how the world sees gender. And then, you know, how does Jesus's redemption, his life, death, and resurrection, how does it change that issue? Mm -hmm. And lastly, like, well, why do we look forward to heaven, to the new creation when this issue will be resolved? So that's something that's just been really fun for me and my kids to do is just walk through the big story of the Bible with these questions and you can do it about any issue. Yeah. Um, But most importantly, I would say, you know, as moms, as part of that high calling of being a wife and a mother, the people in our homes and around us don't need to, they don't need us to model self-righteousness. They need us to model Christian repentance and faith. Mm. So show them the work, like a math problem, like show your work. God's power is made perfect in weakness. 
-hmm. And his grace is sufficient for us. So we can boast in our weakness. We can show the work of repentance to our children and our husbands. And and that's that will lead to life that will be life-giving to them. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Beth, for sharing all your gem nuggets. I, I love that. I feel like once we get off this recording, I feel like I need to talk to you about part two. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, I just thank you again for coming on the show, Beth. Thank you for having me, Sharon. It was so fun. Absolutely. Now, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Gems of Motherhood podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more amazing Gems of Mothers and more resources, head over to gemsofmotherhood.com where you can subscribe to the show. That's where you'll find show notes with actionable tips and any links mentioned by our guest. Most importantly, I hope you will find inspiration and learn to cultivate your own journey. You are loved. You're an incredible gem to God. He knows you intimately. He knows what you're going through and he knows what you need. Remember, you are fearfully and wonderfully made in him.